Welcome to the WATG Podcast Show with your hosts, Corey Jenner-John. Hello and welcome to the WATG Podcast, episode number two. Today we're going to be talking about parenting the gifted. And today I am very happy to be joined by Beth Fairchild. Beth, thanks a lot for hopping on to the Waytag podcast today. Thanks for having me, Corey. No problem. First of all, Beth, um, can you give uh, some background into yourself? Uh, kind of tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Absolutely. Um, so um, I am in education. Um, I taught third grade uh, for six years in Indiana before moving uh, here to Wisconsin. And I taught third grade uh, for five years, middle school math teacher. Within that time, um, I went and got my um, master's in gifted education at Whitewater um, because I was learning that kids' needs weren't being met in the classroom. Um, not only my students, but my son as well. And so I wanted to gather up as much information as I could about that. Um, then that led into becoming a differentiation coach, being in charge of the gift of programming in my district. And now I am um, a principal uh, in our lower elementary. Uh, I serve 4K students to third grade. Um, so that's kind of myself in a nutshell. I have two kids. They're fantastic. That's wow. That's quite a, that's quite a career uh, resume, Beth. I, that's interesting because I actually, I'm actually currently an elementary school teacher right now. And uh, it's, 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 it's very interesting how, you know, we got, especially at the elementary level, you got to wear a lot of different hats. So um, I definitely, I definitely know where you're coming from being an elementary school principal. It's very interesting. Let's just put it that way. First, first year ever in, in times of COVID. So I've definitely learned a lot. <laughs> very good. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, so when we talk about parenting the gifted, Beth, um, what would you say is the most important aspect um, from the parent's perspective when they first realize that their kids, uh, one, of, one of their kids or maybe all of their kids are uh, talented or gifted? Sure. Um, I think the first thing to do is um, learn how to be an advocate um, for for your children. So looking at what the school's policies are um, to receive gifted education so that you can understand what you're asking for. Um, with our state statute of uh, that Kathy had alluded to in episode one, um, that there does need to be gifted programming Sometimes those schools um, don't know exactly how to do that. So find out first what your school district does for your children so that you can understand what you need to ask for. Um, but also teaching, teaching the children how to advocate um, for themselves too. Um, my son always has been a very compliant child and um, when the teacher said, oh, here, work on these addition um, worksheets, he did. Even though at home we were adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing fractions, um, he, he just did what he was asked to do. So trying to help them um, learn how to advocate for themselves is also helpful. 
And that sounds, Beth, that kind of sounds like a lot of like my family too. My oldest, um, we would, you know, when he was in, I don't know, third grade, he was already working on fractions. Uh, he was a, he, he was, he's a different, he's a different cat. And, um, but yeah, it's the same, it was the same thing for a while where he would be frustrated kind of when he would get home and I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, well, uh, you know, we just did addition today and you could tell that he was kind of bored. Um, right. but how do you, you know, so what kind of things do you tell, do you tell your children to advocate for themselves? How, how do they go about doing that? So I think that, um, teaching them that it's okay to say, is there something else that I could be working on? Um, so, so in, so with two children, one of them, uh, my son is exceptionally gifted in math and he has a little bit of a different, um, path than, than my daughter who is also gifted in math. And, and I, and for him, um, he needed completely different programming. And so, um, as when we were advocating to administration, he was learning to say, is there something else I could work on? Could I show you what I can do? Because the teachers didn't, they didn't know. And um, many of them, once they saw the different things he could do, they wanted to help, but they weren't sure exactly how, or there wasn't a path in the school um, that allowed him to, to work on what he could. So, um, for example, when my son was in fifth grade, he took AP calculus at the high school. Holy smokes. Yeah. So in order to get that, we had to do a lot of um, advocating in the school about what it would look like. Um, and in addition, we as parents had to look outside of school um, to find those opportunities for him to connect uh, with other kids who thought like him, um, be- because it was an anomaly. There aren't many 10-year-olds who who love math the way he did and could just pick up on it. So I think um, in addition to getting to him to be able to say those things, what else can I work on? I think I can do more. Um, trying to honestly not use the word bored, Um because as a teacher, Corey, you can understand there's a lot of kids who say they're bored and it yep. means many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to give him the vocabulary that uh, could help with just using bored, um, saying, I know I know how to do this. Can I show you? Could we work on something different? What if I tried this? And those sorts of things. Yep. Or, or the like what I'm, I'm telling my oldest son, uh, try the C word. I, I'd like to be challenged. Yes. Yes. Um, can I do, um, can I do the five hardest problems to show you that I know it? <laughs> can you pretest me? Can we see where we can go from there? So those are all things that I think are very helpful. How logistically, you know, you know, when you say that, you know, he was in eighth grade, he was, he was taking that, you know, that that's just an amazing <laughs> level of math at that grade. But when, when you say that to other parents, are they, is there any fears? I mean, in terms of like, you know, what, you know, socially, how is he accepted at that level or will he be able to fit in socially with other, uh, other, you know, kids that are taking math at that level? I guess are those some of the the common worries when you're talking about kids that are testing uh, up into higher levels of 
various subjects? There, there is. And I have to tell you that um, I was very worried about all of those things, about him being accepted. What, as a 10-year-old, as a fifth grader, is he going to be exposed to in high school that maybe we're not quite ready yet for? Um, and so we had all of these worries. And um, the amazing thing was is that the farther apart that he became from his age peers, his intellectual peers really respected him. So um, he learned to how to kind of fit in um, with the intellectual uh, peers um, because he could show them what he could perf- what he could do with his math skills. And those um, kids that were in his class, they were juniors and seniors. And they warmly welcomed him in. Um, they, uh, the teacher did a phenomenal job of um, creating that, that safe environment for Elliot to still be himself and yet fit in intellectually with, with these kids. So I give a lot of credit. His name is Mike Cullen, and he's a phenomenal teacher um, in our kids' district. Um, but, but the kids... Once he got in there and Elliot was telling, he was so happy. I just hadn't seen him that happy about school because he was learning things that um, he didn't know. And it was just such a joy for him. And um, the the kids just took him in. In fact, the funny thing, we got a um, picture one day and Elliot's standing in the middle and all the kids are around him and they're they're pointing to Elliot and the caption was we are not smarter than a fifth grader <laughs> and so um it was and, and that's how it was every day they were just uh, really welcoming and so as much as I was worried about um acceler- that that um drastic of an acceleration it was the best thing for him emotionally the best thing for him um, and intellectually. Well, Beth, that's really interesting. How about Elliot's, um, uh, how about his regular, you know, not, not the juniors and seniors, but his, his, you know, regular friends, how did they, how did they react to that? Were they kind of surprised? Were they, did that make them, um, less apt to go up and talk to Elliot? I, I guess, how was he received on the other side? Yeah. So, um, it, Elliot has many gifts. Um, uh, We call him the chameleon because he's very (laughs) much, um, when he was doing that as a 10-year-old, he was very much a regular 10-year-old. He loves, you know, immature jokes, just like most 10-year-olds. And um, (laughs) he, um, you know, he, he made sure, though, to understand what the kids his age also were into. And it was... um, Oh, I think Clash of which what Clash of Clans. There was a a video game that they they played, and so he would try to make sure he kind of understood those things too. He would research on like what his age peers like, um, so that he could have conversations with them. And so he, um, on the outside, he I learned later at 10, he looked like it was fine. Everything was fine. And, and what I learned later was it was hard for him to balance those two things. Um, 
the older he got, he learned more to be able to accept himself. Um, but I have to give him a lot of credit to trying to figure out how to to kind of marry those two worlds of his age peers versus his intellectual peers. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. That's, that's gotta be arguably one of the toughest things for a talented and gifted child to maneuver. Right. I mean, here you have, um, you're trying to be accepted with your gifted and talented peers that, that you've been moved up to, but at the same time, you're still trying to maintain your friendships with, the kids that you've been around your entire, your, your entire life. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough balancing act there. It is. It is. And when I went to get my, um, my master's in gifted education, you know, I learned about the phrase code switching and code switching is where you have different rules or expectations based on what situation you're in. Um, it happens in an elementary school. When you go into a library, you're supposed to act a certain way, right? You're supposed to be quiet. You know, people are reading. So you do that. Whereas on the playground, you can run around and scream and do all those things. So, um, so I, we talked a lot about that and, and what does that mean? Right. And so, um, how do you switch, um, from your age peers to your intellectual peers and, and telling him it's not, it's everyone does it. Right. And so giving him that verbiage too, an understanding of, of how to do that um, is important. But what, what else was important was those opportunities that we looked for outside of school. Um, he went to, when he was at, starting at eight, we found a summer camp, um, for exceptionally gifted kids from across the world. And um, he went for two weeks and he was there taking classes uh, with college professors, um, but they were kids all his own age. And um, I remember he was uh, throwing a football um, with uh, somebody that was at the camp and they were discussing the Pythagorean theorem and how it related to windows on the building that was next to them. And, yeah. And it was just so, it was so, um, uplifting and he knew it too. He said, you know, this is the first time that I've understood that other people think like I do. It was really, so it was, kind of, so it was almost like a light switch went off at that point. It was, he thought he was the only one. And so by having, realizing there were other people out there, enjoying the things that he did, throwing a football, but also math. Um, it, it just made him feel a lot less lonely. Um, and to know that, uh, that um, it was going to be okay. And I think, I think that would be something else that I would want to um, make sure that, that parents know who have gifted children, that there are lots of things that the school can do to help um, and, and we can advocate for, but we also have to look outside of school to help our kids connect um, and be able to build and grow just like you would if they were in athletics, right? And they could do um, something uh, well and you would go to different training camps and that sort of thing. And I, and I think finding those peers for kids is really important. That's really interesting. You are listening to the, the way take podcast. Uh, we are chatting with Beth Fairchild about 
Parenting the Gifted, and I'm your host, Corey Jennerjohn. Uh, Beth Fairchild uh, is a uh, board member uh, with WATG, and I am a board member as well. Uh, Beth, where where do parents oftentimes fall short, would you say, uh, when they are parenting a gifted or talented uh, child? Um, I will just use myself, lessons learned, right? Um, so... Because my son, uh, young, could think very high intellectually, sometimes I expected him to behave on that intellectual level. And I would get very aggravated about um, feeling like he was being immature or feeling like, why don't you get this? Like, you can think like this. Why are you not thinking this particular task perhaps at home through. And and there is a word for that. It's called asynchronous development. And um, when I learned about asynchronous development, meaning that Elliot was a very average 10-year-old. He had 10-year-old thoughts. He had 10-year-old processes for many, many things. Um, and then he was intellectually in math, he was very gifted. Um, but they they aren't the same and and that's okay that's that's actually normal and so I think realizing that you still need to parent on that um, average level right and teaching those different things um, such as he because he was uh, in a AP class we had to sit down and talk about executive functioning like how do you plan what work needs to be done what does that look like on a calendar? Um, because he had the skills of thinking all those through like a 10-year-old. And so um, we had to sit down, show him how, um, you know, a calendar worked, you know, uh, putting important dates uh, into um, either paper calendar or digital calendar. Um, and so I, I think once I really read about that asynchronous development, it gave me insight into, oh yeah, I just, he's 10. I got to do like normal 10 year old things and help him, even though he could do these um, amazing math things. Okay. So it's, so sometimes it's really hard for parents to um, still look at your child as being 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, even though they may uh, have the brain capacity of a 30, 35 year old person. Correct. Um, does that sometimes, do you think, affect uh, a parent's ability to, you know, still uh, punish uh, a gifted and talented child if they need punishment? Like, is would a parent be more apt to look the other way because, well, well, Johnny is, he's our gifted and talented uh, son, so I don't know if we should punish him as much. You know, would that, would that come into play too, you think, or not? I think it could. I definitely think it could. Um but the more that we can help um, discipline them and structure things and explain, um, you know, Elliot does like explanation. You know, the things where we would say something like, because I said so, because we all get to that, that <laughs> parent level of frustration. Um, but just really sitting down and explaining why we were doing what we were doing or what our thinking was behind that, um, it it definitely helps, right? Because we want him to be a uh, productive adult. And um, I think it's it's short-sighted to think, well, they'll be fine because they have this 
gift in a certain area, right? They still need um, guidance from us um, in those in those other areas. But along with all of that, Corey, too, comes a lot of anxiety uh, with with gifted kids. Do you see that in your son? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's um, very important that uh, that you recognize that anxiety. Uh, for him, it's he was worrying he couldn't sleep at night because he couldn't shut his brain off. He was always um, thinking about math or thinking about the future. And, you know, as a 12-year-old worried about what college he would get into and how is that going to affect the rest of his life. And um, so seeking supports in that um, is really, really important, um, I think, uh, when you're parenting a gifted child. That's crazy you say that because my son researches universities at age 11. Yes. Um, he uh, oftentimes at one in the morning will bring a sleeping bag into our room and sleep on the floor because he can't, he can't sleep. Like he just can't do it right. um, because he's, he's, uh, he's worried that he didn't finish his math correctly. He's worried he didn't do this correctly. He got one wrong on his, on his math uh, quiz and he was in tears. Like perfectionism is a double-edged sword. Like it's, it's a really good thing because you want to strive for greatness, but it's also a really bad thing because you, it's hard for them to really understand the value of a mistake. Uh, does that make any sense you think or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the one thing that we want to do, um, is pre- prepare and set them up for productive, a productive struggle, I like to call it. Um, and when, when kids aren't challenged, when kids aren't being pushed, they think that they should be perfect on everything because they have been, right? I mean, mm-hmm. school's easy. School, it's all perfect. And so um, the, I remember the first class that we had Elliot take online and he was taking it concurrently with things he was doing at school and he was sitting and he was so frustrated because he couldn't figure this out. And I started smiling and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just so happy to see you finally have to think through something, you know, that you, that you, that you have to do that. It's okay. I was like, this is what kids feel like all day when they're at school. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so um, it, you kind of have to set them up for that productive struggle so that they can, they can learn it's okay to make a mistake, right? Um, but that anxiety, we, we've got to help them figure out um, coping strategies early so that they can reach their full potential. What's an example of a coping strategy that you guys have leaned on that you guys like to, like to go um, to? Well, for Elliot, he, um, we encouraged him to try to, he loves music, loves music, loved all sorts of genres. And we said, well, why don't we buy you a guitar and you could teach yourself um, to play. And so he did. And he watched some, some YouTube things um, and started slowly teaching himself. And what happened was that's his way of calming Um some people might say meditation or some deep breathing things. But what I have noticed is when he is starting to feel himself get um, anxious, uh, he will go and he will pick up his guitar 
and he will work it through by playing um, something. And when he's done, he's ready to take on whatever it is he needs to do. Interesting. Yeah. So he can completely, he can completely separate almost, you know, turn his mind off for a few seconds, play his guitar and then come back and he's completely refreshed and ready to go. Yes. Yep. Um, before he learned to play guitar, origami was the thing. Um, something busy to keep his hands. It was methodical. The folding um, was really good for him to kind of uh, zone out uh, to, so to speak. Um, and like I know meditation is good for some um, also. But for him, those, those things, keeping his hands busy where his mind could kind of quiet was really great. Is Elliot a person... Does, is he a boy that, um, is it hard for you guys to kind of pull anything out of? So like, you know, Elliot, you know, how was your day today? Fine. Does he give you anything, any feedback from school or, or not? After a lot of coaching, <laughs> okay. lots and lots of coaching. Um, you know, he, he wasn't like that for a long time. And I, I think he thought we were trying to kind of like, test him, trick him, like see how things were. And, and finally we're just, you know, we just want to know about your day, right? Like I want to know who did you talk to? And, um, I think once I got better asking questions, not how was your day, but tell me about your math class. Tell me about this. Um, tell me about, you know, who did you see today? Who'd you hang out with today? Um, when my questions got better, instead of a general thing, he really couldn't, he couldn't just say fine, right? Because it needed details to answer. So um, I think that helped too, but just in that practicing. Um, and now he'll say, oh, hey, I just got off the um, a meet with one of my professors and here's what he said. And so um, I just think that training, you know, um, and try to help him get it, get through those things is, is really important. And say, instead of thinking it'll work out, he'll come to me when he's ready. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, Beth, uh, do you have any other thoughts about uh, parenting to get, it's really interesting because um, I think the main thing that definitely can't be overlooked when you're parenting a gifted and talented child is the fact that it, uh, it still needs, you know, just b people assume, well, you know, this, this child is very intelligent. He's very gifted and talented. Um, he can be left alone. He can do his own thing. And th I think that's, that's completely wrong because I think this, I think the child, what the child needs most is uh, lots and lots of attention. Uh, would you agree? Absolutely. I would absolutely agree um, with that. We can't, if I, if I think about how he was and how he was compliant with just doing the same rote things over and over again um, and think about where that potential had been compared to what he's doing now um, without the advocacy uh, piece, it they definitely need to be um, challenged and heard and developed for certain. Okay. All right, Beth. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the, uh, the Wisconsin Association for the Talented and Gifted podcast. This is, this has been very informative. Um, and I, I, th I thought it was really great just getting some insight from, from you, from, from, you know, the teacher's perspective and from teachers, administrators perspective and from obviously the parent. I thought that was really, really great. So thanks a lot for spending some time.
Thanks for having me, Corey. Well, for Beth Fairchild, I am Corey Janajan. This is the Way Take Podcast. Until next time, thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you for listening to the WATG Podcast. To learn more, visit us at WATG.org. Thank you.